going on, guys? You're listening to episode number 21 of I Just Want to Be Hiker Trash. I am your host, Hell Yeah Jesus. What's going on? Been a few weeks. I haven't seen or heard from you guys. Actually, I have. I've gotten a number of emails, and I apologize. I haven't responded. I just took two weeks off. I had, I had finals. I got my last COVID shot. I got a little sick. Okay? I needed to, you know, I needed to do time management, prioritize my life. So I got it done, and here I am. A little bit later, but I'm still here. This episode is going to be a solo episode. I do have an interview coming up. Probably post that tomorrow with a fellow named Poison. So we'll, you'll get to listen to that. But today I have a little solo episode. Also, if you guys got a chance to listen to some of the previous episodes on this little two-week break and you enjoyed what you heard, why not hit me with a subscribe? Why not rate the podcast? Why not follow you know, I've got an Instagram, just want to be hiker trash. That's the Instagram, just want to be hiker trash pod, I think. Okay, follow me. I'm pretty cool. Scooter Hewley Official is my personal Instagram. Not as cool. I think I'm cool, but I'm not. Um, so you can follow that as well if you want. But this episode is a few weeks back, actually. There was a viral TikTok going about around about cannibals in the Appalachians. And I got like hit up by several people asking if I've experienced these wild men of the mountains or knew anything about it. And I hadn't. Um, and actually, quick shout out to Natalie Guess, one of my fellow hike masters. I'll be guiding in Rocky Mountain National Park again this summer working with Natalie. And she uh, was one of the people who talked to, asked me about uh, sketchy experiences on the trail. And so I'm assuming it's due to this viral video that went around. And so if you haven't seen the video, I'll let you watch it. But it's just basically talking about these cannibals in uh, people hiding out with the hills of eyes in the Appalachians. And I don't know necessarily if that's true, but there is a conspiracy called the Missing 411. I'll let you guys dive down the rabbit hole on that one about people going missing in America's national parks and not just going missing, they're always like strange, unusual circumstances. And sometimes they find um, the person later. Sometimes they just find remnants like clothing. And sometimes they don't find anything at all. And Dave Politis, P-A-U-L-I-D-E-S, is somebody you can look into about that. And so when I saw that TikTok, I instantly thought about that. There's some conspiracies on what um, that's all about because the missing 411, it's it's true, it's real. There's definitely a number of missing people, and they've documented it in national parks. Um, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park has a few, I believe, and that's on the Appalachian Trail. And so, I think what this TikTok viral video was getting at was that could potentially be the reason for some of these missing people. And that's a new one for me. I have definitely heard Bigfoot being. Um, blamed and a few other things. I did go kind of digging and I saw a number of stories about these feral people in the Appalachians and these wild men in the mountains. And this is, these are stories from locals and other anecdotal stories. And, you know, it's often, the Appalachians are often a forgotten place. It's very, you know, very poor country. And you do, there's a number of documentaries kind of uh, documenting these people of the Appalachians and they tend to be 
you know, quieter hermits, right? Um, more traditional. And I can say from experience, my own experience, when I got moonshine in Tennessee, um, it was from this man who had had this recipe passed down through the generations. And I remember in the town, a guy was driving us and he was talking about how there's locals in this area who brag about being in, quote unquote, inbred families, families of ancestral relations. And I don't know how common this is. But I do think there's some possibility. I think there could be some people hiding out in the woods. I don't think you should be afraid. But I think too often we're just like, we create these barriers in our mind of what we know. We say, we know this. So that can't be true. I believe in science. Science surely would have figured this out. And it's funny because science, the Newtonian science, the scientific method was formed in direct rebellion during the Enlightenment period because of the church. And the church kept telling people they know. You say, yeah, I don't know this. What's going on here? Well, it's God. And now it's silly. It's kind of reversed. You know, we've kind of gone full circle. And now people, instead of questioning things, or when they are questioning things, you get this instant backlash of, oh, science knows. And the general public does not know a lot about science. We've learned this pretty um, extensively with this whole uh, COVID-19, how much we don't know in this blind following of science. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, guys. There's so much we don't know. If anything, science tells us is what it's great at. You know, it, it's great at like teaching us things and we learn so many new things, but we also learn that we don't know everything. We learn how much we don't know. For instance, people want to say the Appalachian Trail. You know, you can't hide out in the Appalachian Trail. Well, I will say there's a man named James Hams, I believe. He was a fugitive who embezzled about $8.7 million, and he hid for six years on the Appalachian Trail. Hit out. I'll even say another anecdotal story here. This was in when I was backpacking in Glacier National Park. We are river crossing. We're kind of swimming. It was a deep river. It was hot out. So we were, you know, cooling off, having lunch. We heard these snorts in the woods. I was like, oh no, dude. It's a grizzly, man. It's a grizzly. So we're starting to quickly pack up. And as we're packing up, we see this rustling in the bushes. Probably about... 30 yards away from us. And all of a sudden, slowly, this large rack, this large bull moose steps forward. He had been standing there for, I don't know how long, probably the entirety of our little swimming session in the river. This huge, massive bull moose. If you've never seen a moose in real life, look it up. They're huge. They're the size of cars. And this guy was just hiding there in plain sight. We have no idea he was there. And that was actually a pretty scary encounter because we, um, you know, as we're packing up, the moose starts getting aggressive. It was kind of end of summer. It was getting towards that rutting season. The moose had that testosterone, you know, boiling. He wanted to show the, the ladies what's up. You know, we were competition. We were young bucks ourselves, young guys, young gents. Um, spry, swimming around. So he saw some competition. So he started coming after us. 
and we like had to swim across the river and then he starts swimming across the river towards us and I, we start sprinting away after we get across the river. My buddy Charlie, his camelback breaks, and there's water shooting everywhere. And me and my buddy Greg, we're looking back at Charlie, and we're scared because Charlie's trying to fix his camelback as the moose is getting closer and closer to the edge of the shore so he can charge us. And we're yelling, Charlie, leave the camelback, buddy. Leave it. We've got to run. And so the moose is almost to the shore and Charlie decides to ditch it. Either that or he fixes it. I don't know. This is years ago, but he gets it and we start sprinting and I've never sprinted so fast in my life. But I just tell you that story because for an animal that huge to hide in plain sight, that's incredible. And you hear these things all the time. You know, there's so many things that are out there that we don't know because our mind, you know, we... We see so much, but we can't process all that we see. So our mind simplifies our world for us. Simplifies to what we understand. People say, seeing is believing. I'll see it if I believe it. Well, you might have seen it. You might have seen it, but your mind simplified it, right? It simplified this, this world because we want to make sense of our world. That's what we want to do as humans. It's who we are. And we, there's so many animals Right? There's so many animals that are just that we say, oh, they're extinct. They're extinct. And we discover they're not extinct. I'm a wildlife bio major, and we, we talk about this all the time is how difficult it is actually tracking animals and track, figuring out population abundances. We do a great job. You know, you try your best. And what you really do, you're using models. And a lot of times these models are based off of, you know, and it depends on the animal. But some animals are so hard to find that you're just using signs of the animal to track abundance and like they you study it and try to figure out how accurate these signs are in tracking actual abundances but all i'm saying is it's impossible to be a hundred percent there's a little bit of wiggle room for mystery a little bit of wiggle room for the unknown and to act like we know everything it's ignorant there's this that ideal, you know, that 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 line that you hear that curiosity killed the cat. Curiosity killed the cat. It used to be care killed the cat, but they changed it. I wonder if that was maybe the church. I don't know, but I don't think curiosity killed the cat. The cat's always going to be curious. If anything, curiosity gives the cat purpose. And so what we can do is we can lock the cat in the house, we can close the blinds, and we can set it up with these toys to play with, these these, you know, safe things, these safe cat furniture, cat toys, thoughts. But one day the door might be open and that cat might get out. And in the house, it's king of the jungle. It's king of its own world. And it's not curiosity that killed the cat. It's lack of preparation for the unknown. If the cat thinks it knows everything and it goes outside and, and encounters a car and it's cocky, it might get killed by the car. It might, you know, it might, if it doesn't know what a coyote is, it doesn't know that there potentially are animals out there that could best them, that they're not king of the jungle. That's when it runs into trouble. And sometimes there's horrible accidents, right? But I think what it is, is like, it's not curiosity that killed the cat. It's lack of preparation. It's this idea that we're kings of the jungle, that we know everything. 
That's what killed the cat. So going off that, I guess I'll, I'll kind of go into some weird unknowns that I've experienced. Um, I do want to preface, like, I don't think there's anything to be afraid of, right? I don't think we should be afraid. I think you need to be safe. And like I said, preparation, prepare for the unknown, but don't fear it. And fear is natural and you might fear it, but acknowledge the fear and be okay with it. And don't stop and don't do something or don't not do something because you're afraid. But I guess I will start with a few kind of eerie stories of the trail. Because I think that's what Natalie was getting at. That's what she wanted. Um, and I don't have a whole lot. I have a bunch of stuff from backpacking on my own. But as far as through hiking a trail, I'll try to do a few of those. So I think I'll start off with one that's more psychological than anything. And this was in Pennsylvania. And I had been hiking alone for a while, a few weeks, I think. And I, I try to avoid shelters. And at this point in the Soba experience, like I'd passed the Nobo bubble and it was not really section hiker season. Like I was not seeing many people on the trail. Southbounders will find like later on the trail, there'll be times and you'll be alone in the woods, especially, you know, if you don't have a partner to hike with, you'll be, and you'll hear this in my interview coming up with uh, Poison. He talks about some experiences like this. But so I had been experiencing this. I'm camping out alone in the woods every night. And during my first long distance hike, I was camping in a bivy. If you don't know what a bivy is, it is essentially a picture of sleeping bag that's waterproof that covers you and covers all the way up past your head. And that's what it is. Like you're in this waterproof burrito and it can get pretty claustrophobic. Um, I like the simplicity of it. You know, you just roll it out and stick your pad in and get in there and you're good to go for the night. But I'd have squirrels jump on me and getting into bear country. I was just kind of getting, I don't know. I think I was getting afraid of bears. I was, I was tired of like camping alone. I was lost in my mind. When you're hiking alone all day and you don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of and you're just like constantly just thinking, 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 you can kind of get stuck in this, the dark recesses of your own consciousness. And I think that's where I was at. Um, Dante's Inferno. I was in my own hell. And so one night, it was kind of an eerie spot in Pennsylvania. There's this, uh, I think it's one of the Indian wars or... It is a war memorial-ish. There's like a um, some remnants of old encampments, I guess, and there's like a little like stone with a like metal plaque on it. Um, I wish I did research before this episode, but I did not. I'm trying to be authentic. Okay, this is off the top of my head. Anyways, it was kind of eerie, you know. You get back there, and it was I arrived at that little camp area and it was already like dark. So I was in my headlamp and I see these like battle areas and just put me in a weird mood. And it was like foggy that night and I went to get water and I just spot these eyes in the woods, probably deer. And then I, you know, spiders on the trees, they'll light up too. And so I just had these lights up on the trees as I'm filtering water and just got the eerie feeling. I just haven't been alone for too long. I needed some, human interaction and so i'm sleeping i fell you know i I fell asleep and then i'm sleeping and sleep before i fell asleep um and i wake up at least i thought i woke up 
And I woke up to this bear kind of almost strangling me in a way, you know, like, and I'm fighting it off. And this bear is like using his paws to like push on me, push on me. And I'm just wriggling around in my bivy. And uh, I look up and my bivy isn't completely closed. I've got a little bug net so I can see out of it. And I look back behind me and walking towards me are these two witches just kind of cackling at me. And I realized this bear was trying to wake me up to protect me from these witches. And I, as soon as I had this realization, it all disappeared. It all it went away. That wasn't real. But I woke up with this eerie feeling. I guess what well, you could say that was just some sort of a hypnot. What is it? Oh, man, I know the uh, psychological term and I can't think of it right now. Anyways, it's sleep paralysis, right? That's what you could say. And uh, But... Even I knew that it was so eerie. I fucking just packed up as quick as possible because it felt so real. My heart was pounding. These witches were about to attack me, cast a spell on me. This bear was attacking me. I thought he was mauling me. And so I just like waited at a shelter for like half a day to catch up for somebody else to catch up with me so I could hike with them. And I ended up hiking with them. But I remember that, just, that was like such a wild experience. That's when I realized like, I don't know if I could be a full-on hermit for so long. I would go crazy. I mean, eventually I would just like come to terms with these hallucinations, I guess. Maybe I'd have a few like, maybe I'd invite the witches for dinner and we could have like, you know, a little last supper um, kind of ordeal and get along. But yeah, I had that one. And then what was it? In the whites, another eerie thing. I'm hiking on, uh... okay, so I'm hiking the presidential range. And so this is from Madison. You hike up Madison, which is a grueling climb. And I started a little bit later, and I was going from Madison, from the Pinkham Notch up Madison to Lake of the Clouds Hut, which not terribly long. It's 15 miles, but for the whites, that's like a long day, especially with, like I said, the grueling climb up Madison and starting a little bit later. So I only say this to set you up is I, when I was on that traverse in between Madison and uh, Mount Washington, I was like the only one on the trail, really. There was like, I didn't see anybody because it was a little bit later. Um, it was edging towards that 5 p.m. where people are trying to get towards the, the, the huts. And so I've been alone for that stretch and it was beautiful, beautiful. And then I come down and I see this man. And so it was kind of like, yeah, I just said hello to the man. Um, but as I got closer, you know, we did, like I said, we did the head nod hello. He's like, oh my God, I thought you were with other people. I was like, no, just me. And he's like, oh, he's just kind of shaken by that. And I, I didn't really think too much of it. I was kind of, kind of weird, but I don't know. Would he just see some rocks and thought they were people? I don't know. And so I just kept hiking. And then later I got a text from my sister. And she said, she's like, I was just praying for you. And I had this vision of you hiking and you were just surrounded by angels. She just, it was comforting for her to picture these angels hiking with me. But what was so odd is the time frame that she texted me was the same time that this man thought he saw me with other people. And so I don't know, coincidence, maybe, but still kind of eerie. And the other thing is, if you stay at one of the huts, 
there are many ghost stories from a lot of the people that work at the huts. And one of the stories that I had heard is there is potentially a ghost that follows you as you hike above treeline because there's a number of people that pass away on parish on those mountains. And so I think there's been a, there's a few stories of quote unquote ghosts up there helping hikers out. So believe what you want, but those are two eerie stories that kind of stand out to me on, as I threw hike the trail. And as far as sketchy things, man, I didn't really have any sketchy things. I think the sketchiest thing on the trail, really, if you really want to talk about what's sketchy is the mice. Oh my God. The mice are terrible. That's why I hate shelters. People want to be afraid of the bears. And yeah, I've seen a number of bears. Most of the time you see them and they run right away. But the mice, they are not afraid. No, they will mug you and assault you. I woke up my, uh, this is okay, the second time on trail in the 100 mile wilderness. I woke up to a mouse crawling on my face. I had a big beard at this time and I'm sure I had some crumbs in the beard and the mouse just crawling on my face. And I shot up. I could feel its cold little feet on my face. And I shot up and the mouse went flying. And I just have heard so many stories about the mice, man. A girl had put um, chapstick on and the mouse bit her lip and she had to get a rabies shot. So the mice are something, that's a sketchy thing to be worried about. You know, they'll get to your food. They'll chew through a sleeping bag. You know, you might get a rabies shot, right? Um so that's the one thing you'd be worried about on the trail. Is don't worry about the bears. Don't worry about the wild men in the woods. Worry about the mice. I, I had a mouse. Only time. Got in my food bag. And I hung my bag too. Sometimes those mice get smart. And like people like put, you'll see like little contraptions on the rope right above their bag. You'll see a lot of soda cans or tuna cans, whatever, just to, try to create some sort of obstacle so the mouse can't get to your uh, food bag. But the mouse, for a reason, this guy was like, he was going to the Olympics. Um, he was training. like He was an Olympic mouse. And he got to my food bag. But he got totally pranked because he went right in. He chewed through the bag, my food bag, then chewed through a plastic bag in my food bag that was pressed against the bag. It turned out to be my trash. So the guy got into my trash, dude, and he said, this is shit. What's this guy eating? This is trash. And then he got tired and just like went out. He went in the bag, into the trash, and then was like, fuck this, and left. And so I was pissed about it, but then I laughed because I, the guy got played. This Olympic mouse wanted to best me. You can't beat me, bud. You can't beat me. So... I guess that's my one experience, the mouse getting my food. But hang your food, man. That's that's the one thing on the trails. That's, that's why I would hang your food. Not just for the bears, but because the mice, man. You don't want those getting into your uh, food. It's kind of gross. Another story that's not so eerie, but a bit strange. And there's going to be others. I'll probably finish this episode and I'll be like, dude, I should have said this. And there's a, I have a lot of experiences while I'm not through hiking too. But um, Natalie's specifically asking while I'm through hiking the Appalachian Trail. So I want to answer that. Um, but so I am in Vermont. And I am at this beautiful waterfall. I'm trying to figure out where I'm at, but I can't remember. And I'm just taking this beautiful waterfall as a spot to take a lunch. And I'm filtering water. 
and the waterfall's loud, right? It's loud. It's kind of it takes over the ambient sounds of the forest. But I felt like I had enough. Like I was paying attention enough that I would be able to see people walking by. Like I was looking towards the trail. Like I was probably like, oh man, maybe twenty to thirty yards off trail. And I didn't see anybody pass by. I didn't see anybody. And it just kind of I'm getting to the strange part here. But I'm trying to formulate how I'm gonna to get to the strange part. But I wasn't thinking anything strange, right? I'm just I filtered some water. I was having lunch, having a good time. I thought this is a beautiful spot. I was just kind of thinking, this is just so magical. And as I finish my filtering and my lunch, I start walking back to the trail. I walk back the same way I got off because I'm about, I always have to walk every single inch of the trail. I can't skip anything. And when I got back to the spot that I got off the trail at, there was two beers or maybe just one beer. Can't remember, but there was a beer waiting for me. And it was just, just laying there against a tree. And I was just like, what? I, surely I would have seen this beer. Surely I would have seen it. And I didn't see any of you pass by. But I mean, maybe the waterfall was too loud and I just, you know, someone passed by really quick. But it was like kind of a steep incline. So somebody would have gone, gone pretty uh, slow if they're going uphill. And if they're going downhill, I don't know, man. I, would have, I thought I would have seen. It just was so out of the blue. I, but I enjoyed the beer. But that was that trail magic that's just like, what in the world? That's what trail magic is, you know. It's just the times when you least expect it, you get a little bit of magic. And it's not even a cliche. It happens on the trail. You have those moments like I just spoke about. And like, it just causes this like moment of disbelief, almost like almost a mystical experience. It's so hard to describe. But when people say the trail provides, the trail truly provides. It's weird. It's weird. You feel just like this energy. You're so connected to the energy of the trail. So I don't know what that is, man. I don't know if that's, is that magic? I don't know. Is there such thing as magic? Who knows? Who knows? But I think these importance are, these stories are important, not because they're kind of eerie and scary, but because it provides mystery. And mystery provides awe. And when you're through hiking, there's a lot of times when hiking becomes mundane and boring. And you wonder, why am I out here? I'm just walking in the woods. And this is hard. And this sucks. And I can't talk to my family. I can't talk to my, you know, significant other, my friends. I'm choosing this. I'm choosing this miserable experience. And here I am in the woods, same views. Oh, another mountain. But if you open yourself up, and sometimes you don't even have to try. Sometimes, you know, the trail will just hit you, hit you with this experience. But if you allow the opportunity for you to hit you with these mystical experiences it creates little bits of meaning 
little bits of motivation. And I think for somebody who's on a through hike and they're struggling and people tell them, because this, and kind of this episode spurred off of, you know, you go in the message boards and people just say, just enjoy the trail. Like someone's asking like, is 160 days all right? Is that a fair goal? 160 days? And someone's like, um, uh, <laughs> it's last one to spur or last one to Katahdin or whoever, whatever, last one to Springer. That's the true winner. Like, just enjoy the trail, buddy. Just enjoy it. Fuck you. Enjoy it. And it's like, dude, you're not going to enjoy it all the time. And that's okay. Sometimes you need little extra bits of motivation that's not simply just listen to the birds singing. Sometimes you need some crazy experiences, some, some experiences that cause disbelief to push you on. So if you're out there and you're, you're struggling, it's okay. That happens. You're not going to enjoy it. There's many times you don't enjoy it, and that's fine. But allow yourself to be open to the experiences. And not just like the classic, like, well, I'll go to town and get some McDonald's, and, or maybe I'll find a buffet and stay at a hostel. Those are fun. But I feel like when you force it, when you force those fun moments, there's not a lot of, you know, mystical experiences in that, man. There can be beautiful moments, but it's, it's those times when you're not thinking about it. Those times that you've just like been truly innocent and truly open. That's when you find the magic of the trail. I guess that's what I want to say about that, dude. Because I get so upset at these message boards that I see. So many people saying, hike your own hike. Fucking hike your own hike. As if, even though there's a multitude of right ways, that doesn't negate the fact that there are wrong ways, man. There's wrong ways that lessen the chance of you completing your through hike. And just because you finish the trail doing something doesn't mean it was right. And just because you think and have these romantic, overly romanticized views of the trail doesn't mean that that's what it is. That's not the reality. The reality are there's going to be times when you're not having a good time. And the trail isn't this overly romantic thing. But there are bits of it. And if you remain open and allow yourself to experience the bad and be okay with experiencing the bad, then those romantic, mystical experiences will come to you. So through hiking season is upon us. You know, maybe you just started. Maybe you've got a through hike coming up this summer. And you're uncertain. And you're a little fearful. Do I worry about the wild men in the mountains? Do I worry about the bears? I worry about the mice. I say maybe worry about the mice a little bit. That's something I might worry about. But the other things, don't worry. There's only so much planning and preparing that you can do. Go into those Facebook message groups. And if you see 
some advice. Take it with a grain of salt. But be open. And if something speaks to you, you know, it strikes a chord, maybe, maybe listen. At least give it a shot. But what you're going to find is you're going to start the trail. Your worries are going to dissipate. You're going to start, you know, listening to your body. You're going to learn about your gear. You're going to learn about your needs and your wants. Because they're going to be different as a thru-hiker. They're going to be different as a long-distance hiker. And it's impossible to put yourself in that frame of mind outside the trail. You can try. And you should probably try a little bit. But just know it's impossible to get in the same exact headspace. And you are probably going to make changes. So, just be humble. Be willing to part with things if they're not suiting your needs. Be willing to make some changes to your gear. And maybe some people have tidbits of truth. But know that everyone has their own individualistic experience. And that's the beauty of thru-hiking, right? Is that it's a very individual experience. But sometimes people know things that could help you. And a lot of times, they'll just say bullshit because they want to be validated that they're doing things right. And so be mindful of that. Sometimes sometimes people have clear-cut advice, and that's going to help you out. But sometimes people are also just as scared as you, and they just want to know that the way that they're doing things is right. So they're going to be loud about it. They're going to be louder than most, and they're going to be very, very confident, or at least appear that they're confident in what they're saying. Randy says, hey, you got to carry a bear canister. You've got to carry a gun. That's called being safe. But maybe Randy's wrong, and maybe Randy just wants to hear that he's right, because he, deep down, doesn't believe he's right. Because we're all trying to figure out things. And yeah, that's right. There is no one right way. But sometimes there are wrong ways. So be aware of those wrong ways. And no, you might fail. You may fail. But failing just leads to growth. And that's what the Riken's about. And especially during the honeymoon phase. When you're just trying to figure out what you need. And that's the beautiful thing. You know, go into thinking is beautiful because that's when you're truly figuring out what you need. That's when you're truly figuring out, wow, I don't need this. And you can be find that you're more minimalistic than you even thought, which is kind of cool. Like you realize your body can handle more than you thought you could. And sometimes you realize you're right. Maybe you realize, oh man. Maybe I did need that extra sleeping cushion in the sleeping pad. And then that validates your decision. Or maybe you're like, fuck this, dude. I can't be sleeping with this quarter-inch Gossamer gear pad. I need to get myself a Thermarest X-Lite. I need some cushion. Or else I'm not going to be pushing the miles the next day. And that's beautiful because you learn that about yourself. That that's what you need and you're doing good to yourself. And you should give yourself a head nod because you're communicating with yourself. And you're setting yourself up for success. 
So best of luck to all those through hikers. Best of luck to all those people trying to plan their through hike next year. Get out there and hike. Get out there and fail. And quit listening to Randy on the message boards. Thanks for listening. Have a happy trails.